0: Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us and we hope that you're open to hear what he has to say to you today. Enjoy. What comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Have you heard that before? Has Jay been sharing that each week? What comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you? I love that quote. First of all, it takes the pressure off me. <laughs> it does not say what the pastor tells you to think about God is the most important thing. It does not say what your favorite song declares about God is the most important thing because you know you can be detached from the music, from the pastor, from the podcast, from the simulac, whatever, you can detach yourself. You can look at it from a distance, but it may not be getting inside of you. What you think about God, what comes to mind When you think, when nobody is around, when you're driving your pickup truck down to the wharf, when you're tucking your kids in at night, when you're doing the dishes, when you're getting up, going through your daily routines, when you are having a marital issue, kids coming unglued, considering relapsing into the addiction that you know you hate, when you are faced in those moments what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Because what you think about Him will affect what you do next. Is that fair? Three people think it's fair. <laughs> what you believe about God has a bearing on everything you do. And if you're sitting here saying, Well, I don't believe in God at all, I'm here to keep peace in the home, guess what? It's still the most important thing about you. It impacted your decision to be here tonight. Whatever you think about God has an effect on how you live your life. And what we don't want to do is create people who come to church, get a quote from me or for Jay, and walk out, head to work, and then win a debate. Have an argument. Or a quote, no, no, what you think about God. We want to create a hunger inside of you to answer that question for yourself. And so throughout the series, it's been, what comes to mind when you think about God the Father? What comes to mind when you think about God the Son? And tonight we're going to dig into the question, what comes to mind when you think about God the Spirit? Now, I can't answer that for you, but for me, when I grew up, it was not God the Holy Spirit. It was, it was something else. And I don't know where you were raised, but we're going to find out here in just a moment. We didn't call him the Holy Spirit. We called him the Holy Holy Ghost. Some of you were raised in church. And when I was raised in church, I'm sitting there as an 11 or 12-year-old in church, barely paying attention, because that's what 11 or 12-year-olds do, and the big burly preacher gets up and starts leaning on the pulpit, finger coming out, and declaring the Holy Ghost. That keeps a kid up at night. (laughs) I don't know about you, but you can talk about the ghosts and have a bunch of kids go home like, laying awake, wide awake, and the Holy Ghost. For some of you, maybe it's not that. For some of you, maybe it's more impersonal. And you don't really know what your theology is, but you've seen Star Wars. And maybe you don't know your Bible, but you know Star Wars. You're like, well, I'm not into the Holy Spirit, but this idea of the force. I like the force. I like this impersonal power that comes and goes from time to time. And if I can harness the force, I can do things that maybe I could not do otherwise. I like the power. I don't want the person. Maybe for some of you, it's a gigantic mystery. Like, well, I don't really know any of that, but I have felt this. I felt that I was going to do something that I ought not to do, and all of a sudden, as I was about to do it, this nudge came along and said, I wouldn't do that if I were you. You'll say, well, that was the Spirit of God keeping me from trouble. Does your Spirit of God sound like your mom from time to time? (laughs) I, when I was growing up, like, the Spirit of God sounded like my parents. What they didn't want me to do was the same thing the Spirit didn't want me to do. <laughs> so, well, it's just kind of like a parent who follows you around. For other people, the deeper they go into spiritual conversations, and depending on the teaching they received, accidentally and almost imperceptibly, it starts to create a little spiritual pride. Like, somehow you've got insider information. If the rest of the people would figure it out, then we all would be really spiritual. We're the hyper-spiritual bunch. And maybe for others of you, it's none of this. Maybe for the rest of you, or maybe for some of you, the the Holy Spirit part, or talking about the Spirit, or God moving your spirit, if you're going to be honest, is the weird part of our faith. When I was raised in church, like I said, it was the Holy Ghost, but we kind of moved the Spirit over. We were Trinitarian in belief. Come back next week for that sermon. We believed in the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Spirit, but we functionally had a different Trinity. We said we believed in the Father, Son, and the Spirit, but because the Spirit seemed weird at times, and people who talked about the Spirit seemed weird at times, and they did weird things, and they raised their hands in worship, and tears would come on their face, and grow up. Pull it together. That seemed odd to me. I understood prayer that we could talk to God, but it seemed weird that people could hear God talk to them. So we believed in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, but we functionally had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. The Scriptures made sense. The Spirit seemed hard to discern, but James chapter 4 was easy to find. And it wasn't that we ever pitted the Spirit against the Scriptures, it's just that we leaned into the Bible more than the person of the Spirit. And so because we didn't know what to do with the Spirit, we just kind of put them in a box, slid them under the couch and said, let's know your Bible really, really well. I don't know where you are at in this conversation, but the question remains, what you think about the Spirit Matters. What comes to mind when you think about the Holy Spirit... We can't unpack everything the Bible says about the Spirit, so what we're trying to do each week is to pull a passage that has impacted us on our journey, mine and Jay's and whoever else has preached out here, to say, this has impacted me, let me share it with you, but here's the deal, we don't want to answer everything, we want to create learners and people who are hungry to go and dig for themselves so you can answer, here's who he means to me, not just here's who he means to AJ. So if you have Acts chapter 2, we're going to head there right now in our Bibles and dig in there. And I could preach Acts chapter 2 this week and bring you a word. Jay could preach it next week and bring you a word. Brett could preach it the week after. Then James, then Alex. And God would keep speaking from his word, message after message after message. What I want to share with you is how that passage has meant a lot to me. Acts chapter 2, I'd encourage you to go dig on it when you get home later. But if you have your Bibles or your phones, go ahead and grab them and nobody moved. Excellent. See, here's the deal. I'm not your pastor. He's your pastor. I know it's behind me, but don't you point your finger at me. I know it's behind me. I would highly encourage you. I'm a guest, so I'll help my car. I'll drive back to town here any minute. I would highly encourage you to bring a physical Bible, an iPad, a phone, download version. You'll have the Bible at your fingertips. Or go purchase a copy of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Bring that with you if you want. Whatever you gotta do. Or memorize the entire Bible but here's what I would encourage you. Have your scriptures in front of you. You will mark, highlight, leave notes that will matter for you in days, weeks, and months to come long after this sermon is done and your Bible will become a bit of a journal to you, physical or digital. Can I stop lecturing now? Stop. Okay, keep going. All right, now Acts chapter two. In my Bible, Acts chapter two comes after Acts chapter one. Now, you don't know that because you don't have your Bible with you. But in my Bible, I see a light. I see a hand back there. Acts chapter 2 comes after Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 is Jesus staying with his disciples. At least that's what Luke tells us. Luke has written two books of the Bible. You know the other one. Luke wrote the book of Luke. This is also Luke's account. Luke is the account of Jesus' life. It's his biography. It's one of the four Gospels. This is Luke's account, not of Jesus' life, but of the actions of the Holy Spirit through the disciples. Did you know that's what Acts stands for? It's the actions of the Holy Spirit through the disciples. And how God moved and ministered and birthed the church and exploded the kingdom in that region at this time. So in Acts chapter one, he's standing there with his disciples and he's gathered them around and he says, I'm going to leave here in a minute. And what I want you to do is, I want you to be my ambassadors, be my witnesses. Go and teach and tell and continue the work that I have started to you. But hold on a second. Before you go, you actually can't do this. I have given you the real mission impossible. You can't do this. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to an upper room. Find yourself an old Dooley's, In Barrington, preferably. A space that's not being used. Rent it. Put chairs in it, gather up there, hypothetically speaking, and gather in the upper room and wait. What are you waiting for? For dynamite. You read Acts 1 verse 8. It says, you wait and the power will come on you. The dynamite will come on you. This explosive power of God will come on you. And when the power comes on you, then you will be my witnesses. But don't go until then because you'll fail miserably otherwise. So they go up there and they wait, and they wait until Acts chapter 2 happens. Acts chapter 2 says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, the day of Pentecost was a festival they were celebrating before the Holy Spirit came. It's also known by a different name in some of your Bibles in the Old Testament, the Festival of Weeks. The Jewish people had three major festivals. The first one many people know is the Passover. They celebrate what happened with Moses in Egypt. When God passed over and brought the people out of Egypt, they, they celebrate that every year. And if you were Jewish, especially if you were a Jewish male, you would head to Jerusalem. 50 days later, Penta, 50, 50 days later, they had the festival of weeks. And so God has chosen a time and a place to advance his kingdom when all of the nations have gathered together. So the nations are gathered together, not because of what Jesus is about to do, because it's the Jewish right thing to do. But while they have gathered for Pentecost, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them, resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation because of the festival. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? And others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. I can't explain to you why this might mean something to you, but I can explain to you why it means something to me. The Spirit of God moves in this place, and you have Luke, the author, saying, how do I describe the indescribable? If you're in a room like this, things that are happening, you don't have language or boxes for. And God is moving through this place, and Luke later is furiously writing this out, saying, what did I just experience? Now, he doesn't have language, so if you'll notice, it does not say wind blew through the place, and it does not say tongues of fire rested on their heads. We say that. It doesn't say that. Luke said the sound of something like a rushing wind blew through the place. He's sitting there saying something is happening in this place, and I don't know how to describe it. It's like It's like a mighty rushing wind blew through the place. That's not what it was, but it's like what it was. He said, and I saw something, and I don't know what to say what I saw, but the best thing I can do, it's like there was a tongue of fire above their heads. It does not say there was a tongue on fire above their heads. It says something that was like a tongue of fire. He's trying to describe the indescribable, but the detail that stands out to me As I said, the wind came from heaven. The Spirit of God is a gift from God, not from us. The Spirit of God comes from God to us, not from us. I've got good news for you, church. You're not God. (sighs) And you would say, I know. And I would say, then stop living like you are. You're not God. The Spirit is a gift from God. Not to be confused with our Spirit, that's a small s. The Spirit of God comes from God, He is sent by Him, from Him, and on His agenda. In John chapter 14, Jesus staying with His disciples, kind of projecting that this was going to happen. He said, I'm going to leave here. And being close to him, they kind of push back, like, what do you mean you're gonna leave? He says, don't worry. I'm going to leave here, but when I go back to the Father, I'm gonna ask him that he would send another one who is like me, but different. And I wanna ask that he sends the comforter or the helper to come to you. And he will be with you to the end of the age. And another pastor says, it will be better for you that he comes. Can you just sit back and process that like you've never heard that before? Because my suspicion is that if I could organize an hour of uninterrupted time for you and the person of Jesus, you would be intrigued on that, would you not? Anyone have questions for Jesus? Anyone have mysteries you would love Jesus to answer for you? Jesus says, I got something better for you. Better than sitting by a campfire with me better than walking around for three years with me, better than me teaching, better than being near me, I'm going to send and impart my actual spirit into you. Do you want Jesus near you or do you want the spirit of God in you? It's from God. It's his gift to us, to help us, to comfort us. Now, sometimes when we hear the idea of helping and comforting, we kind of feel like he's like a little buddy. Kind of doing life, I got my little buddy beside me. I got the spirit of God with me. Kind of, kind of, kind of walking around, got my spirit. If I, go into a, if I go into a stressful meeting, hey spirit, could you help me with this meeting, please? I'm driving on the highway and our friendly RCMP light us up from behind. Hey spirit, could you soften his heart for me? I'd rather not make a donation to the Canadian government. You're at home and your spouse is chewing you out. Hey, Spirit, get her. Get him. And <laughs> we walk around with our little buddy here. May I gently say to you, he is the Spirit of God, equal with God the Father, with God the Son, on God's agenda. We'll unpack the Trinity next week. Here's why this matters. I think sometimes we think the spirit of God is like Siri on our phone. We have questions, we need answers. Hey Siri, how far is it to Halifax? Hey Siri, play this song for me. I don't know what you do at your kitchen table on a supper evening, but I've got three kids. You know what that is? Siri, my iPad just heard me talk to her. Hey, Siri, mind your business. I don't know what your kids do, but my kids sit on the table, and I can't tell you why right now. I'm not real happy about it, but I haven't, well, I'm happy I have an eight-year-old son. Let me get the order of this statement right. I'm happy I have an eight-year-old son, but my eight-year-old son's favorite song on God's green earth right now is a mystery to me. My eight-year-old son's favorite song is I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. He learned it at camp, of which he'll never go to ever again. And so we'll be at the table. I can't say it or my iPad will start playing it. (laughs) He'll just call, it, hey, you know, play this song. My five-year-old has a much sharper sense of humor. Hey, you know who, make a fart noise. (laughs) I think sometimes we're being honest. We walk around with the spirit treating it like Siri. Hey, hey, I need this. Hey, I need this. I think what we forget sometimes is that the Spirit does not submit to us. We submit to the Spirit. This is good news, church. This is good news that the Spirit of God who has come to comfort you, help you, and lead you does not submit to you. Church, do you know why this is good news? And I say this with love and grace, because you're a mess. (laughs) You are a flighty, chaotic mess and I love you think of the things you have prayed for in one given day can you imagine if God answered all of your emotional chaotic prayers can you imagine the people that would have been wiped off the face of the earth (laughs) you are a mess the spirit's job is not to submit to you our job is to submit to the spirit And in submission to God the Spirit, we find comfort and healing and wholeness. Because He will lead you there. And sometimes you won't want to go. Sometimes you won't recognize the journey. And you'll only discover the promises and the truth once you arrive in the promised land. And what happens, I need to remind us today, the Spirit comes from God for you, not from you for God. So the spirit may respect your feelings, but he will not bend a knee. He will lead you to rivers, still waters. He will lead you to greener pastures only as much as we submit to him. He's God, church. The second thing I like about this passage is that they were... Filled with the Spirit of God and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. It is the Spirit of God who gifts and empowers his people. We don't conjure up gifts. We don't sit with God like a genie in a lamp and say, dear God, help me to be a... No, no, no. He imparts to you gifts that he wants you to have. In the passage, we have the nations gathered together and God is going to blow the kingdom wide open. Joel chapter two, he prophesies and says there's coming a day where God's spirit is gonna be poured out fresh and new unlike anything that has happened in the Old Testament. Someday the spirit of God is gonna be poured out on young and old and Jew and Greek and free and slave, male and female. And he's gonna reside inside of you and they are like, what, it's coming, don't worry. This is the coming of that promise. And when he comes, he brings gifts for the mission. What we have done in the church is turned spiritual gifts into this self discovery and self enlightenment experience. Come and know thyself. Hey, come in here, seminar, and Jay and AJ will teach and we'll do spiritual gifts and we'll pass around a little spiritual gifts test and you all can do it and you'll do the test and maybe your spiritual gift will attach with your Enneagram number and your Enneagram number will attach to the color of your mood ring that you're wearing that day come and be enlightened. That's not this. This is not about self-discovery. This is about equipping for the assignment and the mission at hand. And the assignment and mission at hand is not to fill the nursery schedule. It's not to fill the connections team. It's not to get trunks for trunk or tree, as great as all those things are. He is equipping you for the works and the assignment of advancing his kingdom. So what is the assignment on this day when the tongues come? The nations have gathered. And do you know what happens when nations gather? They bring their languages with them. If I get called to the UN, if I get called to the United Nations, one, I'm going to ask why they're calling me. Two, when I get there, it's like, man, how do I bring a word? Wouldn't wouldn't it maybe make sense if I got to the UN, if God supernaturally did something to me to bring a word to the nations? Wouldn't I need the gift of Tongues to go with the assignment? And some people will preach and teach that somehow it's the mark of spiritual maturity. It's not. Some people will teach that it's kind of the singular gift, and if you don't have that gift, go back to the pool and get more of the Spirit. First Corinthians will teach you, you can have the gifts and not the maturity. What God does on the journeys, he pours out his Spirit, and he will gift you and gift you differently for the assignment that he has for you. And it may be gifts, but, or it may be spiritual tongues, but speaking in tongues, but you know what? It might be the greedy heart in this room that all you've ever done is worked hard and hoarded your money and your toys. And the Spirit of God comes upon you, and all of a sudden the things you own, no longer do you own them, nor do they own you. You steward them. And you find yourself in a season and a place when you have two and your brother has none, you feel compelled to give away. You feel compelled to fund the missions of God. You feel compelled to sponsor missionaries saying, this is not mine. I've been given it. I will not hoard it. I'm a steward of it. I'm going to practice generosity. For some of you, maybe your old, cold, dead, hard heart. You could walk by anybody at any point. You could watch the World Vision videos, the little starving children, and Sarah McLaughlin singing quietly in the background. You're like, Click. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes upon you. And you find yourself so tender and moved for people. When people share their stories, it's like you are wearing their pain and their burden. And you're like, what is happening to me? It's like, I feel what they're going through. Maybe God has imparted the gift of mercy and compassion into you. You find yourself hearing about social injustices and saying, somebody must stand up and declare a better day. What is happening to me? Maybe God has imparted the gift of faith to you that you will no longer stand idly by and watch injustice take place in Barrington. Like, man, I don't know where this is coming from. My friends don't even know where this is coming from. You find yourself speaking and teaching. Like, I don't I don't know where this is coming from. It's a gift. You find yourself in a room and people are yammering on, and it's like you can see their hearts and their motivations behind them. Like I'm discerning something, it's a gift. And you're wondering why the rest of the room can't do what you're doing. It's a gift, not an ability. And what happens is God gives you this gifts not for your pleasure and delight. It's to advance the kingdom of God in Barrington. We may or may not need you on schedules. That's not the point. Will you open your hands and receive the gifts that God has for you? And I find—I didn't say this in the first service. I've preached a few times today, and I forgot about it, <laughs> to be quite honest. I find in Southwest Nova, people are reluctant to embrace spiritual gifts. I find they're much—I re- uh, the English here—they're much more ready to embrace a volunteer role than a spiritual gift. I find people in Southwest Nova have been around for almost twenty years now. This is a culture of hard-working people, strong backs and calluses on their hand. And I applaud you for that. But I need you to know there's something better than a good work ethic. And it's the Spirit of God moving through you. And so maybe you've never encountered this this idea of a spiritual gift before. Maybe you've always just had work ethic and talent and bootstraps and pull yourself up. There's a better thing, church. It's called spiritual gifts where God multiplies and does things that make no sense. The third thing I like with this passage is not just the Spirit of God comes to impart gifts to the doers of ministry. It says they were filled. They started speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance, which means if he wanted to turn the tap off, he can. He's God, not me. But there's something else that's happening. As the preacher is preaching with the gift of tongues, singular preacher, it says in the account that the people started chatting, saying, how is it that we each hear in our own tongues? People have debated Whether the gift of tongues is in the speaker or the hearer, I would say yes. I think there's an explosive thing happening as they were preaching. As a singular preacher's preaching, I believe the power of God was exploding the word into the hearers in the room, which means that the Spirit of God is working through me. He's also right now in this moment at 748 working through you. And you may not know it's even happening, But you may say things like, man, when Jay was preaching last week, it's like he was talking just to me. I've had people stop me in the foyer and say, I don't know what's going on, but what you were talking about was the thing that my wife and I were talking about at the dinner table yesterday. Is my kitchen bugged? Which, as an aside, they think I literally have nothing else to do. (laughs) than to listen to hours and hours of them droning on in their kitchen. (laughs) I've had people say to me in the foyer, Pastor, I needed that word. When you said X, Y, and Z, God grabbed my heart. And I'm thinking, I didn't say that. Never said it. In some of our services, they're recorded. We can go back and watch the tape and prove I never said it. There was one Sunday, someone stopped me downtown, and went on and on and on, thanking me for a profound word from God that day that ministered to their very soul, of which I didn't even preach that Sunday. Did you hear me? (laughs) I wasn't even up. It was Dave. (laughs) You know what that tells me? it's not about me. It's not the preacher, it's the spirit. Which means right now, God is saying things to you that I'm not saying. God is preaching a better word to some of you. God is stirring in some of your hearts. You come here to Coastal week after week and they get up here and they say, hey, if you want prayer, see you in the prayer corner. And some of you feel this. You're thinking, man, I gotta go and you don't go. Do you know what that is? That's not social cues. That's the spirit of God drawing you. Jay will be preaching with the Samaritan woman at the well. Did you preach on that last week? And you'll be sitting there thinking, I'm the Samaritan woman. That's me. And the emotions start to stir. It's not Jay. I've heard him preach. He's not even that great. (laughs) 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 He'll get me when I'm gone next week. (laughs) It's not him. It's not him. It's the Spirit of God. James walks up and plays the first note. That's what it sounds like. I'm a musician at heart. And all of a sudden, the tears. It's not James. I can point you to better music. He's pretty good. Apple Music has better. It's not James, it's the Spirit of God. And some of you have been in this room week after week after week, and you're trying to figure out what on earth is happening. I need you to know it's the Spirit of God. So the question is, why? Are you ready? He has something for you. He has something for you. The first thing he has for you, please don't miss this as the band sneaks up behind me. Please don't miss this. The first thing the Spirit of God has for you is Jesus, the Son, the second member of the Trinity. The first thing the Spirit of God helps us receive is Jesus as Lord. Many of you have heard Jesus as Savior, and that's good. I hope you have received Jesus as your Savior, that you will stand before God one day and say, I'm with him. But the Spirit of God may be drawing you deeper than that. He may be saying to you, I'm glad you have found Jesus as Savior. Have you seen him as Lord? Savior rescues you. Lordship leads you. The hands get open. And say, Jesus, if you have something for me, I want you to lead me. I was in a room about seven months ago and had a profound encounter with God like I've never had in my life before. And God used the spiritual gift of knowledge in somebody else who I'd never met before. And he came up to me. We were praying in a very intimate space. I did not know this gentleman. I just knew he was a pastor. And he looked at me dead in the eyes and he says, God has something more for you. And because I'm greedy, (laughs) I said, I want it. He said, no, no, like right now in this space, God has something for you. Do you want it? I was like, yeah, I do. And the next thing he said busted me up. He said, "God has more for you. The problem is you're a control freak." The tears, <laughs> because I had prided myself, sinfully, on being a good worker, strong back good work. No pastor's ever going to outwork me. I'm going to lead my church. I'm going to grow. I'm going to dig. And nobody will ever say that lazy pastor. And I'll stand for God one day like, "Ah, I was a good investment, wasn't I? He said, the problem is the thing that God has more for you is first going to require you to surrender, not be saved. I was already saved. Will you, AJ, surrender to his lordship and stop being in control and let him be in control? What if he wants to lead you to spaces and places you're reluctant to go? What if he wants to shake you up from your comfort zone? What if he wants to lead his church that he lets you pastor somewhere you don't want it to go? Do you still want more? Church, I believe God has more for many of you in this space. The issue is not in the promise. It may be in the lordship of Jesus in your life. You may need to come to a space where you're saying, God, I do need more. I'm not enough at home. I go home every day, and I feel like a failure as a parent. I drive to work, and I feel like a failure at work. I drive to church, and you pastors are yammering on. I feel like a failure at church. I go to my small group, and I feel like I'm not measuring up. And I feel like, you just, ugh. God, grant me more. Deep breath. You don't conjure up more. You receive more. And some of you are exhausted, discouraged, broken, and beat up. And you're looking for a silver bullet in the church. I'm here to tell you there is none. I'm here to tell you the Spirit of God wants to fill you. The Spirit of God wants to reside inside of you. He needs to know from you Is he enough? And so we're going to sing for a few minutes. We're going to pause for a few minutes. But here's what I want you to do. Ask in your seat, Spirit of God, do you have something for me? Do you want to bless me, fill me, refresh me? Are you inviting me into your kingdom for the very first time? I've never received you before, but I need to tonight. What is he saying tonight? And then I'm going to come back and lead you in prayer in just a moment. We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.